I need someone like you that's good at kind of narrowing in on what I'm actually trying to get at. Okay. <laughs> so, um, I'd love to get that on the podcast. to episode two of the Theo Brew podcast. I'm Andrew Koch with Thomas Lee, Andrew Tai, and Jojo Chen is also here. It's good to be with you guys. So today we're going to be talking about the book Resident Aliens, a provocative Christian assessment of culture and ministry for people who know that something is wrong. That is a hard title to read. That subtitle is a mouthful. Yeah. Uh, the book is by Stanley Harawas and William H. Willimon, uh, and this is going to be less of a book review and more of a conversation on the themes in the book. Uh, so the imagery that they painted of, of a resident alien, resident aliens, uh, we as Christians are to be resident aliens um, set apart in a church, and the church is a colony. Um, So a quote from the book that I want to start with goes like this. From a Christian point of view, the world needs the church, not to help the world run more smoothly or to make the world a better and safer place for Christians to live. Rather, the world needs the church because without the church, the world does not know who it is. The only way for the world to know that it is being redeemed is for the church to point to the Redeemer by being a redeemed people. The way for the world to know that it needs redeeming, that it is broken and fallen, is for the church to enable the world to strike hard against something which is an alternative to what the world offers. I'd like to hear what you all think uh, about that quote, and and that's what I'd like to think. So. <laughs> I'm going to start with you, Jojo. You're going to start with me. Yeah. All right. Um, that quote is, I guess, like a larger ex- expanding on one of Hawass's, like, I guess, famous one-liners. It's just the first task of the church is to be the church, to make the world the world, that kind of thing. And um, it makes sense when people feel like the first task of the church is something else. It's supposed to be um, we should uh, make the world a better place. We need to, like, I don't know, uh, convert more people. Um, in putting it that way, that we're supposed to be this alternative people, we're supposed to be, um, in a way, set apart from the world, and um, we're also tasked with like being sent into the world, doing um, what God wants to do with the world. Um, that changes the perspective a little bit. There isn't the whole uh, the, di- the dichotomy between oh, there's you're either a Christian who's only caring about converting people, only mm-hmm. caring about um, getting to people's souls so that they can be saved and that kind of thing. And the other choice was you become one of those social gospel people. You you uh, went through the government, uh, went through the normal national political route to try to make change happen in the world and of course that came with its own problems um you ended up being 
servant to some of the government's interests and what it, it wanted. So it made a third alternative to that, and it wasn't really like, oh, this is the middle ground. It's this wildly different perspective on what it is to be church, what our task is, because we're not pigeonholed into those two uh, those two approaches. Mm. Oh, well, I guess mine kind of comes... I guess my response to that is kind of goes along to the whole, like, we are not pigeonholed, or we're not... They're, like, our Christians... Uh, moral or ethnic, I guess, compass isn't supposedly neatly arranged in either, oh, we, you know, all we care about is, um, you know, converting people or, you know, having just, or caring about simply the spiritual side of the individual or salvation of this individual or the other side, which is, you know, um, what was the other side? Um... I think it was. I'm blanking out. I'm no. I'm are you edit. are you talking about um, the two like the what I talked about? Before? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so one is just converting people. The other one's social gospel. You just go through the government. You kind yeah, of yeah. make and, laws that ensure your Christian stuff. Right, and just to have like um, a more faithful uh, nation, one that is mostly both, you know, God and democratic well i guess also to say that i think that that we we aren't neatly kind of in these two dichotomies of of the world or either of to be in the world or out of the world but i think it's just simply to be the primary task of the church to be um i think there's like another one-liner which is like uh, of Harawas is the social strategy of there is no social strategy the church doesn't have a social strategy the church is the social strategy and I think when we think think about the ethics and the social agenda social activism of the church we no longer um, articulate our our thoughts in on the presumption that um, of of I guess related to I guess American democracy and the idea of rights and freedoms and so forth. Andrew, what do you think? What's your response to that quote? I you know I I think this is a difficult quote for a lot of Christians like myself to hear. I, I recall during college. Uh, our fellowship, one of our, our taglines was creating world changers. And I really loved that. I really like love the idea of, of loving God and then knowing Jesus and then those things leading you to try to, quote unquote, make a difference in this world. So I think the first time I read this, it was, it was very difficult because it, it made it seem like that was not as important and i guess i've come to understand this as saying not not to not as saying that the church is not meant to quote unquote make a a difference in the world but but to say that our our focus is primarily on this incredibly difficult but rewarding and and at times enjoyable task of of trying to embody 
how God has called us to live and love each other in community. And that somehow when we do that or as we do that, that that may cause the world to change, quote unquote, but that that no longer has become our primary goal and, and, and the aim of, uh, of, of our, and the aim that consumes us as we think about being faithful. That w- that was a pretty profound shift for me. And, and it's one that I, I think sometimes still, I, I still uh, struggle with. Uh, I think at times I, I find myself wanting to make the world better or make the world more into my image, I suppose is what is how I often define that. Uh, so it is a continual challenge for me to, 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 shift in to shift my perspective to think instead okay we try to live as a as a redeemed people and hopefully uh, in doing so the the world sees something that does not make sense to it the world sees something that is not easily written off as just really nice people or or kind people but actually the world sees us and says there is something there that that we cannot explain, except uh, except that they are are following uh, a different god, that they are following a different uh, savior or, or different. Um, they are worshiping something different than what we are we are worshiping. So, uh, yeah, it's been a, it's been a really profoundly uh, impactful book for me, and, and and still difficult, and still. Uh, yeah, just just continuously challenging. You mentioned when like how it was difficult for you. Uh, I think I was probably the opposite. Like I, when when I first read this, probably around that time, I was like I would hear about like the religious right. They're trying to like um, make sure abortion is illegal. All these mm-hmm. stupid things. Like, and I was like, I don't want any part of that. That like that um, that seemed like gross and wrong to me. So I was like oh, is this, is this like implying that we just separate ourselves from all of that and like we don't care about the difference? And I was like, okay, I'm all for that because I don't want to be associated with all those people. But I, I think you're right. It's a little bit more nuanced than that. We're, it's not so much that we just ignore like all that stuff. We, we don't care about the difference uh, that we could make in the world. It's just no longer the first task. So I guess that's why the quote, it's the first task of Christianity. It's not that we're... Um, yeah, it's not we cast that aside. It's just will come as an, an outcome, as a uh, as a byproduct. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, I think a lot of Christians nowadays we're finding uh, that some discomfort with maybe the religious right, with the with anti-abortion laws or anti-gay uh, rights. I think a, a challenging thing in this book, though, is is he identifies too that if you are politically liberal i suppose and you still have uh certain agendas and certain i guess you might say religious values that you are trying to get enacted in the world uh, and you believe that that uh politics you know will will help you accomplish that so in that way uh even if you are kind of even if the religious right doesn't appeal to you that doesn't necessarily mean you have not bought into the same kind of uh, thinking as 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 they they do. 
I know、uh, we'll be talking about politics later on.、Though. Yeah, I think I read this essay by Harawa saying, I think it went along the lines of how like, he was often lumped, like his thoughts on abortion or like, politics, he's often lumped either the right or the left side. And I think he agreed that you know, he, his conclusions on certain issues would find himself at, on either right or left. but... His reasoning he is very different in how he gets to those answers. And I feel like that should, like, I guess what we've been trying to say is like, and JoJo is saying is like, our first task isn't, is very different from how, or the way we kind of think or articulate、um, these issues starts very differently. Yeah, I think he, he talks about that point in the book. He says something to the effect of like, if we start to define ourselves as either left or right, we're basically、um, taking, we're looking at a mirror of the world and the,、mm. the world's standards. Rather, we should shatter the mirror and we should define ourselves by God's standards. And though we may fall into a, a left leaning or a right leaning、um, political or socio.、Um, Sociological, I guess, leaning that's doesn't it, like you said, it, it's not our, our framework for getting there. We don't go left because it's left, and、right. we agree with their presumptions or assumptions, and, and same with the right.、Um, we look to God and we look to the cross、uh, as, as our starting point, and, and I guess the idea of being redeemed people is something that really, as I was reading that, stuck out to me. Um, because I think、uh, you know, authentic Christians should come with this mindset every day that we are broken and fallen and left to our own devices, we would fail, utterly fail.、Uh, he talks about, I guess it was, was it Paul or Peter? He talks about how Peter was. Uh, would have been a good fisherman, maybe.、Mm. Um, he would have excelled. But, but Peter, without the cross and without Jesus,、um, he would have never realized how big of a coward he was, never would have realized、um, how courageous he was, and never would have been able to become the great preacher that he was when called to be. So, yeah, I think our, our starting point. You know, Howard Ross would argue, and I think we'd all agree, is, is different. And maybe the lens that we're, we're looking at, at the world is different. And it sounds like, and I think I'd agree too, that you're saying it's even different more so than American Protestantism, which, which, or the social gospel, I think you called it. And I'll confess that a majority of my Christian life has, has aligned with that type of thought processes where.、Mm-hmm. You know, you, you be the change you want to see in the world.、Um, I thought, okay, you know, if, if I'm Christian, then, then I got to get myself into a position of high power or authority or something in politics or government. And then I can, I can create this change and we'll start to see some Christian policies out there and maybe we'll make this world a little better place. But what I realized in hearing Harawas or reading Harawas is that our hope. It's not in this world. Our hope is, is for the redemption of people in this world.、Um, but ultimately, we, 
we don't have our hope set here. Um, so it's it's been good. <laughs> that, yeah. that quote, be the change you want to see in the world. Isn't that, that seems kind of like a Harawasian, like Willie Willimon kind of idea. Is that, it's like, that's kind of close, right? It's like a, I guess that quote, I think is Gandhi, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah I think it's Gandhi. Yeah, I, I guess, I guess I've distinguished it as... I, I think there's a difference in individuals deciding to, to go do things for God. Um, often, and, and it often is a very individualistic endeavor. I, I, I don't think, I, I do think that, you know, Harawas and Willimon might support um, a church deciding, you know, we, we see an, an issue in our community, meaning like our surrounding community that needs that needs addressing let's figure out as a church how we are going to do you know how we are going to respond to it i i do think there's a difference so two differences i do think the first is that there's a, a collective aspect that means that the church now is being i guess the witness being the change if you will and i guess the second thing would be would be simply maybe semantic, but but saying that 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 our our primary our primary right our primary uh, task is not focused on on changing the world. But I, I don't think that they would uh, op- you know have any uh, opposition to to churches um, in the course of trying to to faithfully live out their witness in a community, doing something that would quote unquote cause change in, in the world yes and to answer your question more simply and though I agree with what Andrew said uh, I think for me the difference would be be the change you want to see in the world versus something like be the change God wants you to be in mm. the world um, so mm. it kind of takes the onus of responsibility off of me to you know to think that in my mortal way i can somehow cultivate something great for god you know or do something great for god when rather it's it's in looking to god first um kind of like looking towards the end i somehow god will will work in me um, something great what that is who knows (laughs) and that's the beauty of it too though who knows where God will lead. So each one of us was tasked with um, one one theme from the book, and we've been talking now uh, about community. So, Jojo, can you read or, or tell us what your prompt was, um, your responsibility, and then we'll dive into that. Right. Um, so we, when we were trying to figure out how to... How to um, divvy up this beast of a book we wanted to not go like chapter by chapter we didn't want to like go over every single point we we wanted to split it up into like sections that are um that kind of just relate to a certain topic that would be i don't know consumable by some casual listener um so mine was um the role of the christian in this in the surrounding world in the surrounding community um which is a little interesting because I think a lot of the criticism of this book was that, um, oh, you're telling Christians to uh, separate from the world. You're telling Christians to just, like, uh, deal with your own stuff and, like, the rest of the stuff, like, to hell with the world. You're supposed to be the church. The church is more important. Um, 
And that leaves a pretty big gap in um, in what the church is supposed to do for the world, in the world, to the world, whatever. And um, the basics of what I think, um, what I think this top, what uh, how I will have to say about this topic is basically um, that, like we've said before, the the church is supposed to be um, this alternative, uh, alternative politics, alternative like uh, way of living that um, that shows the world um, kind of where it's gone wrong it's trying to show the world that it is not um how god has called the world to run um and that means um among other things uh we speak the truth to power um as christians we um are our witness would be in both speaking and the way we live um kind of sending this message to the world that this is not how God intended the world to be. That might not be, that like has echoes of what um, the prophets did in, in scripture. Um, whereas most people, when they're thinking about church in the world, it's like, oh, we, uh, we feed the poor. We, uh, um, <clears throat> we help people, like help the, the stranger. We uh, care for the people in prison, which is of course true. It's just maybe they focused on that and not this other aspect. So they would like, oh, just charity. That other part, uh, who cares about that? So um, the way I wanted to start this one and bringing you into this, uh, we we all happen to be part of this uh, little church called Christ Kaleidoscope. And the way, the way Ken, our pastor, has kind of split um our uh, tasks up um, as church planters, as the people planning it, as people running it. Um, we split it into three buckets, beholding, belonging, and becoming. Basically, uh, there's this one verse, I forget which verse it is, but it's like our task is beholding God and working towards uh, how our worship service should be and um, how to bet more faithfully do worship. Um, as as a church belonging how um we become more like a body um the body of christ together and becoming which is uh how we uh develop ourselves how we become um more like more as disciples discipleship growing into uh what christ has called us to be my question is where does the rest of the world fit into these three buckets Can you rephrase that in a certain, in a different way? Okay. Um, so Ken divvied up like uh, three bucks. They're supposed to be pretty inclusive of all we're supposed to be as church. We're supposed to work on as church. Right. Um, and I'm looking for where does the rest of the world are the way we work, the way we act, our, our, our relationship to the rest of the world. Where does that fit into those buckets? Mm. So where is the world in those buckets? Anything about the world? Yeah. Well, I think okay, so I can speak from from the becoming bucket sake and like you said becoming is becoming um more like a, a more of a Christ-driven community of being more Christ-like, and that it's developing those practices and 
um, aspects of life and acknowledging those aspects of life um, where we can start to see Christ on a more communal but also individual basis. So that's that's thinking about small groups, um, Bible studies, outreach, discipleship. Um, and I think to answer your question, though this is this is a bit inward as far as this bucket goes uh, because ultimately we are trying to train and kind of build up the the Christian colony or the, the community of resident aliens I guess is, is a way to to phrase it um, we we hope that in doing that in strengthening our base in and having align and, and helping people align themselves with the proper vision of Christ and and God's goals for the world that we can actually start to enact changes that God wants. Uh, we can start reaching out to those who need to be redeemed in the world. And it, it's not, might not even be so much as like, um, you know, beating the gospel over someone's head or, or going out and knocking on our neighbor's doors. It, it could be as simple as what Andrew said earlier that, huh, that that's weird. That, that group of people just showed up. They just did X, Y, or Z. And that was really unique. I, I don't know why anyone would do that. Why would they spend their time doing this or that? That was really cool. Oh, by the way, they're Christians. That's that's weird. So it's it's being kind of uh, an alternative witness, I guess. So I think, though, the becoming bucket is a bit inward in that we're trying to build up. Um, in building up, we we hope to yeah. I, I, Think of the imagery of like overflow, so that we can start to trickle out into the world. Um, so that that's, I guess, what just popped into my head, kind of how I, I could answer your question. That's cool. It fits with uh, the metaphor: buckets overflowing. <laughs> I like it. Yeah. I think I think, and I don't know if if I'm trying to uh, answer too many things at once. I. I guess for all three buckets, it seems to me that there's an element of showing, uh, like showing the world that needs to happen when you talk about like being the Christian colony, <laughs> meaning the, if the world does not, doesn't see the things you are doing, the way you are living, then it's nice that it's nice what you're doing, but then you are not showing the world anything necessarily so as an example when you started asking that question i was thinking for the belonging oh, i'm sorry for the beholding group um one of the tasks seems to be helping us become a, a people who have oriented our lives towards the worship of of god uh and so it seems to me one of the ways that relates to the world is that we are meant to to be people who worship God first and foremost, and that's supposed to rub uh, rub up against or or maybe even um, challenge people's worship of other things, uh, whether that be money, career, uh, relationships, whatever it might be. Meaning, I, I suppose I, I I see that as saying we are supposed to be a people who's who who worship. And we worship Jesus, and when other people see that, it it causes, I guess, a dissonance, or it causes some sort of 
questioning about about as Andrew, I suppose, was saying, why we are doing the things that we do. But it seems to me that that assumes some sort of showing. It assumes some sort of way by which we that we are displaying to the world um, what it is that we worship, that we are displaying to the world what type of, of community or family we have become, or that it, that it shows the world uh, the things that we value through our service and through the things that we do. Um, and I, I'm not sure that they, in this book, answer specifically like, well, how do you go about showing that to the world? Uh, and I think that's okay. I think it, because it requires communities to do discernment on their own to figure out what that might look like. But um, I guess that's how I'd try to answer your question. That's how I see the world fitting into to some of these different aspects of, of being a Christian. Yeah, I mean, for me, like, when, like, the first thing that came up to in my mind, and I'm pretty sure I'm not answering the question at all, but... That's fine. <laughs> I, I think, um, well, I'm assuming that I'm not, but, like, I, I'm thinking of, like, belonging and, like, the whole, I guess, racial and gender identities and you know, it's just kind of, I guess, rampant in our, in America. And I think, you know, I was like, first, well, okay, first, I, I, I was, you know, I was watching The Daily Show, of course. And they were talking about this idea of, you know, uh, the police uh, academy or the police actually go under a certain training called anti-bias training. Whereas... It kind of, they try to train the officers to kind of see a situation and not kind of throw their own bias or any sort of bias towards that person. And I don't know why uh, why this came up and why I thought this kind of connected with belonging, but for me, I think for the Christians within this world where, you know, we're clearly, uh, not only are we struggling with our own biases but we are just so open about our uh, discomfort for you know other people and their their I guess I don't want to say situation because I feel that's a bit um, not acknowledging uh, the individuals but to simply to say, the Christian community simply sees, you know, race, uh, you know, the black person or the gay person as a person, not as some other, you know, gay person. Like they would see the person for who they are and not anything else and some sort of bias. And I feel like that kind of goes to what you, again, Coach saying, like they look at the Christian community and kind of question why are they you know, different, why do they kind of go about certain things differently? But at the same time, I, I, I feel that people will also, like, kind of lump us to some sort of certain, you know, political side of, like, if they see us, you know, if they see Christian community kind of not, so much not have a say or have a statement on certain issue, but to show 
the way they live in a certain light. And I think people will see that in question where, you know, where does your, where are you coming from? Where are your presumptions and assumptions coming from? So if I'm hearing you correctly, I guess what you're saying ultimately is that in, in having this, this godly view, <laughs> that's my dog. <laughs> <laughs> the fifth member of the Theobald yeah, podcast, uh, Pistol Pete. Pistol Pete, the pit bull. He's outside groaning, mm-hmm. groaning on our behalf. Anyway, uh, I guess what, I, I, correct me if I'm wrong, what you're saying is that in, in taking this proper view of, of belonging and and ultimately in not judging one another but loving one another and helping people learn to belong better um that is our showcase to the world of, of how we accept and see them is that- yes that's sorry it was no, i was no. as, yes exactly it's exactly what i was thinking of so it's pretty cool. like you guys actually ended up splitting it up into uh, becoming beholding <laughs> belonging Bobby. How did you guys coordinate something? <laughs> we saw your question earlier. This is a secret uh, draft. I don't know how. You must be inside my house. You've got like bugs. Okay, never mind. Um, right, so we, what I'm hearing so far is that like in becoming um, the way we're doing community service, the way we're caring for people, in beholding the way, the way we worship and the way we um, are able to help people that might not belong in the rest of the world belong to our church, we're able to it's striking enough that people find it interesting. People interesting enough to like question about like, wait, why are they doing this? I want to know more about that. And that kind of a way of, uh, of witness to, to the world. Um, what I would add to that is that, um, or maybe just pose as like a counter question. Like I remember early on when we were, um, figuring out, uh, like the kind of tasks that the buckets would be doing, we didn't know where community service would fit. It was like, oh, it's belonging because belonging to the world. Like it was, it was kind of like a weird thing. Like, oh, where would that fit? It ended up being in the becoming. Um, ended up being in the be the becoming bucket. But I think that was also kind of strange. Like, is that part of how we're becoming the way we're serving the world? Um, the way that we're um, caring for the people. Like, we also went through um, this uh, short. Uh, study called for the life of the world um about trying to bring attention back to the way the church is supposed to um serve the world work towards the world's flourishing and that's not just because the world it would be nice for the world but because that's part of god's intention for the world um my question is do we need another bucket <laughs> is that if it doesn't quite fit there um there is the overflow thing that you guys were talking about and the the way that all these things it causes us to um, causes the the rest of the world to kind of want to know more, um, kind of question their own way of life if if they're if the Christians are living in this way. Um, do we need is that core enough to what we're trying to do as a church that we might need another bucket to do specifically that community service specifically? Um, community service. Um, it could be broader in terms of like the ways we um, work for the world's flourishing. That could mean um, I don't know. Like working through the governments, working through some of the, uh, these local—I um, don't know—politics of the local areas to work towards the fact 
that we're helping them flourish. We're helping them become better. It, I, I think very there's a chance that we do need another bucket. I I do think though. I, I returning a little bit to the, the quote from the beginning. I, I think it 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 says from a Christian point of view, the world needs the church, and it seems that. And perhaps this might even be an offensive way to, to say it, but I, I think Harawas assumes, like, he's telling people in the world, you guys need the church, meaning that, like, that's kind of an offensive thing to say if, if you, you know, if you don't think you need religion or you don't think you need anything. I guess the flip side of that is then it seems to me the church exists in large part because of its service to the world uh, and, and the thing to, to serve the world, to show the world, not to serve the world in the like, well, okay, you guys understand what I'm saying. Like, but, but it, 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 one of the primary reasons it exists is in service to the world. Um, and so I guess in that aspect, then I, I do think that community service or, or, or whatever actually would fall into something. I actually thought it, it fit best in the belonging aspect, uh, meaning we belong to each other. We also belong to, to the community, to the world, you know, to the, the area of the world that we are in. Because that's where I think we had originally placed it. I, so I guess my answer to your question is, I think it's okay that it, it is where, where, we are, where it is right now, that we've included it as, as simply part of these three aspects. I also wouldn't object necessarily since we've been kind of overloaded trying to figure out, like, <laughs> you know, exactly where to where to serve and, and where people feel called. So I wouldn't object to that. But I can I, I think there's a I think it makes sense that it is part of what we are talking about already. I like I like what both of you had to say with regard to that and maybe just how important it is. Um, as a Christian, because oftentimes we, we fall into this mindset that's, that's maybe, maybe it's not outward oriented, maybe inward oriented and, and something when, when I've been thinking about the community service aspect of our church and what we're going to do, what, what's kind of weighed heavy on my heart is, is the idea that Christ came to serve, not to be served. So if we're to be more Christ-like, then I guess and that's if our belong or becoming group is is pushing us that way to become more Christ-like, then I guess it does kind of fit there. Um, but what what I liked, you know, that I guess that's the answer to your your question of do we need a fourth bucket? But I like the the not only the idea, but I like community service aspect as a, as a tool of discipleship um, because it's it's something where we're actually out in the world um, we are we are engaged and we are a part of it um, we are apart from it but we are a part of it I guess mm-hmm. and and so that's I, I'm glad to hear I guess that you you've noted and you th- put more emphasis and thought towards that um, as being a way that we reach out to the world. And maybe that does need more consideration and thought. Um, Three's kind of a good number, though. Three buckets. Three. Four buckets. 
not four is not it's good. Not the holy. Chinese number is not you know it's just not as not as good. It's not holy. No, it's kidding. So earlier we we talked to about um, kind of the I guess misconception of of the social gospel or or going out there and and legislating Christ and and we've seen it with televangelists. We've seen it with um, I mean prominent Christian advocates that that are supported and and rallied behind by mainline Christianity in, in this nation. And it's the right, the good thing to do. Um, and it's interesting conversation. So Thomas, you, you were tasked with talking about what? Well, technically the chapter is on politics, but um, I think it's a bit, um, well, mostly the... Pistol Pete. <laughs> You'd be all right. And I think, uh, well, majority of what um, what Howard Watson Lowman was trying to talk about was the social agenda of the church and the activism, uh, social activism. So basically, pretty much to kind of summarize, like the church is in a political dilemma of whether or not they ought to be, you know, in the world or out of the world. It's sort of should they care about you know, um, bringing a more, building a more righteous society uh, through, um, you know, through the political uh, and, nat- and national and government, through the government, or uh, do we um, kind of, kind of stay back, sit back, just let things go and kind of not worry about, you know, uh, the government, this America, culture, society, and just, kind of focus on, you know, the, the personal and individual aspect of the faith. And I guess one, well, the first thing that came to mind, because I was trying to uh, think about, like, you know, by the fact that we are, it's kind of this dilemma of, you know, of, well, basically the the thought or mindset right now is, um kind of well never mind no, let's not say that um not yet um you can say it no no it's, it's goes to another part that's fine we can we can bleed into it foreshadowing foreshadowing I guess so um no I mean I guess because there's the I mean Harawas and Willamon tried try to argue that because of this political dilemma of you know trying to either work through the system or not, you know, or if, or not work, or, um, another way of saying, should the church be, you know, the supportive institution for the American society, or should it be just this hidden, you know, gem within the American culture? And like, I I was thinking very simply, it was like, when was the last time the church was kind of seen as sort of this really, this force for good. And when was the last time, <laughs> when was the last time where we weren't kind of seen? And I guess a lot of, and to me, I was just thinking about that and, you know, one, we've kind of, you know, the media often kind of, you know, put a spotlight on the more of the negative aspect of, when the church isn't, you know, doing good. And, and I think this is sort of where 
Christians, American Christians kind of feel kind of, I don't know, lost or not sure of how they kind of go about their ethical and political understanding in our nation. And the book argues that the truly, I guess, truly Christian way to respond to these political issues uh, isn't by responding necessarily in the affirmative or negative to an issue at hand. So one issue they talked about, or he starts off uh, with is the abortion issue. And he, he mentioned that Jerry Falwell uh, we talked about this. It was kind of a backhanded uh, compliment towards Jerry Falwell. He says, um, Jerry Falwell's church put together this um, campaign where it said that they were going to raise money so that they create could create homes, build homes for um, mothers who... Um, decided not to have an abortion. So it was, I think, what was the title? Like, hab- Habitats for... That's not it. But nonetheless, um, Harawas and Willimon, they, they say that whether Falwell meant to or not, he actually was aligning himself with, with what was a good um, right. Christian worldview. Um, in that, it, it didn't necessarily condemn mothers um, on the abortion issue. Um, it didn't say affirmatively, yes, like we need to legislate away abortion rights. And um, it, it didn't really, the response was one that didn't dive into the conversation, but it responded to an outcome of the situation. Nice. So it, I think that's what they argue is the way we should be approaching all political issues um, as Christians. Which, no, I agree. Which is so hard to do. I mean, it, it's crazy, crazy hard to do. Um, can you guys think of political issues that... I have a list in my notes. Yeah, but... I have abortion, gay marriage, death penalty, euthanasia. Um, well, those that's more of the social issues. And there's also, like... Uh, Muslim surveillance, immigration, uh, terrorism, drones, but that's more of the... We'll get to that. And so, I mean, so what do you think are some of the the appropriate responses to those issues as Christians? You know, if we aren't to necessarily engage in the conversation or the political issue, we, we're supposed to go somewhere down the line right. and help or be of service. And that might be just a a very naive understanding of what he's actually saying. So if you guys have anything to... What was the Gandhi quote again? Be the change you want to see right, in right, right. the world. Right, I think like the current Christian worldview is... Of, or the current Christian ethic uh, way of articulating our, of our worldview. Or I don't know, like our current... The way we articulate our ethics is uh, don't see the world for what it is, but see it for what it could be. And I think that's sort of, I feel, the mindset, not only for Christians have, but also, like, anyone else. It's a very, like, coexisting kind of statement that, like, not only Christians can, like, use, but it can all, you know, everyone can use. But I feel like, and I think Harawas also, and Wilman talks about this, is, like, our worldview, or 
how we articulate when it comes to the social aspects or social issues within our politics is you have to see the world for what it is. And as Christians, we interpret uh, that as, you know, uh, a vision of a goal, or I guess we interpret, you know, how we see the world is as kind of a vision of what we believe God, what he did on the cross, and as, you know, oh shit, I lost my thought. I, I think, uh, sorry, I'm not actually following your thought, Tom. So it's okay. I'm going to edit it out. To your, to your question, Andrew, I, I think it's a difficult one because it's it's not, a, uh, first of all, uh, I, you know, I, I preface this with, I don't know if I'm educated well enough on like the political issues and all the intricacies there. But I think um, an example of something of an issue that we, you know, you might, we might take a certain stance on that is neither like left or right. I think it's interesting. I, I, I remember discussing with some older uh, Chinese adults at our old church and asking them what they thought on uh, Im- immigrants, illegal immigrants. And they said, huh. yeah, you know, we, we think that you should have to come into the country legally. Mm-hmm. We don't support people who are coming and, t- you know, taking people's jobs. And then I asked them, well, so uh, what if an illegal immigrant came to your house and asked you for help, asked you to stay with them? And they said, well, it seems like Jesus calls us to take care of them and to, and to you know, do our best to help them. That's an example, right, where our, our politics, at least as, as, as how the U.S. has often talked about politics, can, it cannot do what we believe Jesus has called us to do like it it just can never well okay actually that's an example of some inconsistency sure but 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 also like even even um even for those who who believe in let's say less restrictive immigration policies probably wouldn't say that that you would force all families to take in in, in a refugee or immigrant family no one would go that far and I suppose as followers of Jesus, we, we actually would do politics to, to such an, to, to that extent, to that level of, 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 um, sacrificial love in, in that context. I know. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not saying that my view is that everyone should take in an immigrant or a refugee family, but, um, I can think of, uh, our, our, I can think of, I believe, God reminding Israel, you know, remember too, you were immigrants, so take care of of the immigrants, and so I can I can see that as being a, a potentially, you know, if, if we're looking for like an application, a, a tangible political view, it would be yeah, Christian families, all of you have to to welcome in a, an immigrant family or or a refugee family because that's because we too are, are immigrants and one in foreigners and, and yet God welcomed us. Um, I think, I think with the abortion example though, I think one thing that's helpful is, or I, I think one, one reason that issue is helpful to use is because neither the right nor the left, uh, captures what, what perhaps the church might be called to do. 
their response might, the church's response might be very different from either the right or the left. And I suppose they would say that's a good thing. Well, I mean, like, this is what, like, I want to talk about is, like, both abortion and gay marriage because I feel like those two issues are the issues that, you know, conservative or any religious person kind of finds the most important issues to talk about politically. That might be an overstatement, but go ahead. Maybe. Well, I <laughs> any, mean, any, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. Well, I mean, yeah, maybe any, but mostly, like, the the conservative Christians in America care about those. Like, like I remember reading someone saying, like, it's the red meat of the, the Protestant Christian. And so, like, because I don't, like, where do we kind of... Like, I'm not very a articulate person unless I'm writing. And at the same... But still, like, the issue of abortion and gay marriage, I don't know where, like... Like, I don't want to, like, because... I feel like saying, like, I don't know where I fall or where I kind of, where to start and understand these issues because often I'm, and especially in this political season, like, I'm bombarded by statements and claims that I don't even, like, where do I just begin to kind of... Yeah, I I hear you in that I also feel a bit overwhelmed with with the issue because one I've never been faced with the prospect of of abortion and two I don't identify as LGBTQ so it's one of these kind of foreign topics which I know is so sensitive to a certain amount of people and it does beg the question of how do we respond I think I was thinking earlier about um, when Andrew was talking about Shane Claiborne and and what he says in Irresistible Revolution, something to the effect of, um, I'm not going to, I'm not going to jump into, I'm not going to tell someone that they shouldn't get an abortion if I'm not willing to raise that kid, if I'm not willing to be there and support the mother that I just told that she needs to keep her kid. If I'm not willing to go to that length to love on that person and to take care of that child, well then... I'm going to have to abstain from the conversation entirely. Mm. So I think my, my, my thought on this, those two issues specifically is that we need to start from a place of, of love and we need to start by looking, I guess, at, at where, where there is pain in those two issues. Um, so it seems like, you know, Claiborne kind of hit the nail on the head with the abortion issue. So I won't rephrase it, but with the LGBT issue, it seems like there is a source of pain there, which I don't know what it is. Um, I don't know what it stems from. Um, and, and I would assume that it has something to do with being ostracized and being marginalized as a group of people. Um, so whatever pain comes out of that ostracization, is that a word? Ostracization. And, uh, whatever, yeah, whatever pain comes from that, I think as a Christian, I think the way that we would respond is by addressing that with love, um, countering the world's um, oppression with with love, um, and I think if we start by by attacking the yeah the pain with love uh, formula, then the answers of how do we talk about this. 
Um, maybe, maybe they'll change entirely or maybe we just won't care because we're part of the issue. We're, we're, we're joining in the issue on behalf of the minority or, or the, those seemingly, um, on the, the weekend of injustice. So I, I guess that's my response. My response would be join in the suffering of those groups of people, what that looks like, I don't know entirely, um, but I, th- I think that's a good place to start. Just a general thought, I think, I, I've always found, a, a, after reading this book, a, a good barometer for me to judge if I think, you know, like political uh, solutions, if you will, or even not, even on smaller scales, uh, individual solutions to problems, um, I often, I often take it as a sign that it might be what Jesus has called us to. If you give me the suggestion and my response is, yeah, but (laughs) like, like if, if I think that's what Jesus would call us to, but then I have this strong reaction, like there's no way we could do that. (laughs) Like there's no way that's feasible. There's no way that's realistic. I often actually take that as a sign that that's probably what we are supposed to do. Uh, an easy example would be the immigration one where I used or, or the, the, uh, the adopting baby uh, uh, example, right? Um, we are, let's say a church says we are anti-abortion. We are so anti-abortion that you don't want your baby, you give it to us and we'll raise it. And then the immediate response is, yeah, that, that's really good. But it's really expensive to raise a baby, et cetera, et cetera. I think somewhere there is where I, I think the politics of Jesus, if you will, might is where I find it, I guess. Hmm. Anyone else have anything to comment on that? Yeah, I mean, I guess going back to the idea of, like, kind of being with them in their pain, I guess as the starting point, I remember, uh, like, hearing something about how, like, a lot of the LGBTQ people feel like their struggle comes from this sense of not only pariah or, like, feeling like they're not, they don't belong, but also, like, they are like a subpar person and this is kind of going back to what i meant by like seeing the person as a person that you know to see like the person in front of you as as someone you know with a story someone who needs to be loved someone who is um just as broken as you are um I mean, I just asked that question simply because I think there are pe- I feel that there might be people who read Harawas and and I guess also uh, Harawas and Will Wilmot and Resident Aliens as uh, well. What do I do now? Like, how do I respond? Or is that the right? And I think there's yeah. Well, the last thing that we wanted to talk about was uh, how, 
or basically articulate and, and talk about what Harawas and Willimon think with regard to war. Now, in preparing for this, which admittedly I, I feel very overwhelmed, um, as in I underprepared and there are a lot of really weighty issues that I've been thinking through for the past two weeks. Don't worry. Um, no, I mean... I, 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 I had a difficult time too. I'm not sure that, that framing it as in what do they think with regard to war is, is maybe the best um, way to do it. I, th- I think they would probably say, no, um, talk about with regard to peace. Mm-hmm. Um, so Harawas and Willimon are uh, Christian pacifists. Christian pacifist is someone who believes that war is always immoral. Um, Christian pacifists, and I think there are branches of this, and people have varying degrees of pacifism, um, but I think the pacifism that they would argue is always anti-violence. Though, I guess, in certain circumstances in other readings and, and listening, they may advocate uh, the use of force in a policing context, maybe. Um, so it's been it's been hard for me um, to to reckon this idea of pacifism because, frankly, I, I mean I was a Republican Party boy uh, in, in high school. I mean I would parrot the likes of Bill. I'm ashamed to say this of Bill O'Reilly and. And conservative talk show hosts, I, I knew all their talking points, mm-hmm. and I would argue with you tooth and nail that this was a, a proper or a just war, um, and that war was isn't necessary. It's something that has happened time and time again, and it's it's our way of of fixing a problem or righting a wrong. Um, and I, I suppose Harawas and Willowen say not. I mean. That's not the way you you right the wrong. Uh, violence, I guess they would argue, begets violence. Um, and so, yeah, I, I struggle with this idea of pacifism because I'm not sure, practically speaking, whether in situations I'm willing or whether I would actually respond with a, a pacifistic mindset. Um, we've talked about situations like before we've talked like the other night we were talking about whether when an act if an active shooter situation were to occur and you were there you know how do you respond Um, and I've been thinking about that more I mean my initial inclination would be like I'd want to be the hero I'd want to be I'd want to hide under some type of rack and when I see the shooter come by I'd want to take him down and and I would want to save people. And it was this utilitarian argument, I guess, of, yeah, I can I can save more people than this person will hurt. And that is a way that that is just and that would glorify God somehow. I don't know. Um, but I think the limiting aspect of that view is is that's that's just how we see life and death and. I think it's limiting because it, it limits God to the people that are on on earth, I guess. And it, it doesn't take into consideration that God uses people's deaths as well um, to glorify his kingdom. Um, 
So, yeah, I don't know exactly where I stand on it. I, on the idea of pacifism, but what's been popping up in my, my research and my thoughts is the idea of suffering. And I keep hearing it over and over again that, that a Christian should, uh, should suffer uh, for the gospel. And, and it seems to me with regard to war that we are maybe alternatively tasked with somehow suffering with mm-hmm. those who are suffering. I'd like you guys to walk me through your views on Christian pacifism and whether they've changed, uh, whether whether your your first view or, or, or you've changed into Christian pacifism or just your ideas generally on that. I guess I can go first. Um, well, let, let me ask this: Would you all consider yourself Christian pacifists? Yes. Yeah. Okay, so the question is why? I guess mine is more of like... Well, okay, well, there's two reasons where, where I'm coming from. Or I guess three. Uh, one is uh, I am a very small guy. Um, like, I am short in, uh, for, my, or for the average Asian, which isn't very tall. So, I mean, when it ever came to, like, you know, fighting with my brother or, like, fi- like random other fights outside of my, like, you know, fighting with, you know, normal fighting with brothers, um, like, I always never try to, like, outright get someone, you know, knock them out or it was more of, like, I, because I knew, like, I couldn't because I was just too, too much of a smaller guy to knock someone out. And so I always had this sort of, when it came to conflict, I had this sort of meekness to my, I guess, disposition. Is that the word? Sure. So it's, or posture. So, so it's <laughs> physically natural to you to be meek and passive. Uh, yes. Uh, second was, I think, I think um, it was sort of kind of seeing my mom's kind of ethics when like whenever you know see her you know when I whatever whenever I'm with her you know I see like for me a lot of like my ethics come from partially I say from her and the way she treats other people and like her kindness and compassion is probably amazing and like she just sees like I, I know. Like, I mean, like she sees the person for you know who they are, not some just someone, some race, but someone who's like a mother, a sister, a, a brother, a son, and so I think a lot of it. Uh, the third, the second part comes from like my mom's, you know, uh, the way she, I guess, witnessed towards me and how she loved others. So, answer two, you're a Christian pacifist because your mom is compassionate to others? And third part is, I think, um, during high school, okay, so, kind of, I guess, in the beginning, like, I was, you know, when the whole 9-11 happened and, you know, war on terrorism, I was like, yeah, we should totally, you know, take these guys out because, you know, they totally hurt us, they kind of, 
you know, who are these people? Like, we need to, like, seek justice. And, and I like, war was the only alternative that was spoken. So it made sense at the time. And I, like, well, long story short, um, I accidentally got, um, not enlisted into the army, but I was, I was kind of, I checked a box that I didn't think I was, I misunderstood, which pretty much said, um, uh, like I want, I'm interested in the military to be part of the military. And keep going. Sorry. Um, so like up till like, I think until high, late high school, like I finally, I think was truly confronted of whether, you know, war or military action is the right choice and like I was you know faced with the decision of should I go into the army or should I not and the first and I think at that moment I was I realized you know I don't really fully understand war and because of the way I saw my mom treat people and the way that I kind of reacted to conflict has shaped has kind of shaped my moral compass and if like I was really confronted by uh, some some enemy in front of me while holding whilst holding a gun or a weapon I don't think I would shoot that person like I'm pretty sure I would probably be like compromising not only myself but like those of the people I'm probably, you know, my squad or whatever, my battalion or whatever. And I would probably be reprimanded and, you know, kicked out and court-martialed or whatever. And I can't imagine myself, you know, um, shooting anyone. It just doesn't make sense because I can't see that person as an enemy. Mm. Um, I know we're getting tight on time, so I'll, I'll try to... First thing I would say, in your language, Andrew, you talked about whether Christian pacifism is effective or what good it will do. Hmm. I think that is actually not where Harawas and Willimon would start. The, the, I think they would very much acknowledge pacifism is not necessarily very effective. You're, you're probably going to die if, if, if you're in war. Someone pulls a gun on you. Hey, I'm a pacifist. You're gonna. I mean, you're not gonna win the the victory. I consider myself a Christian pacifist because in the. Well, okay. I guess first I would I would say I am not like Thomas. I actually consider myself a very violent person by nature, meaning competitive, wanting to beat people. Um, I am a pacifist because in the life. In the, in the words and in the actions and death of Jesus, I see someone, and, and in, as, being in, as a follower of Jesus, I, I see him choosing love over, resi- over violence. Um, 
So much so that he is willing to even die for, rather than kill those who would set out to hurt him. Um, and there's one more point I was thinking of making, but I can't remember for the moment. So, Jojo? Um, yeah, Marines are pretty close to Andrews. Um, I see, well, with the help of Hawass, I, I see uh, Christ's refusal to use violence, to use the tools of the world as, uh, like, as something compelling. I don't, I can't, um, like, I can't fit it together where, like, oh, I'm a Christian and, oh, I'm going to use violence to get this result or that result, when he very clearly thought that was out of the question. Um, But there was a word you used earlier. You said it's, like, passive, passivity, and that's, one thing Hawass has said in a bunch of his talks is like what he one thing he hates about the the, the wording of pacifism it just it sounds so damn passive, um, and he was he and he usually ends up saying like something like being nonviolent will get you into conflicts mm. like um, your refusal will um, you you not you refusing to use violence will get you into trouble with people who expect you to use violence um, say if it's the people the patriot the patriotic people you should go to war like wait what are you doing you're not going to be violent um, and that reflects also that just because you're not using violence doesn't mean like Jesus flipped over tables he did a lot of things to he got people offended he did all these sorts of things it's not just sitting back and doing nothing i don't think that's what pacifism is it's um committing yourself to um live as jesus did in this particular way and um accepting that other people will have to suffer for your convictions because of that yeah i think you you're both right i think uh Harawas would say something along the lines of pacifism is aggressively pursuing peace Mm. um, and that means up to the point of of death and suffering Uh, one of the quotes I pulled which which makes which he argues is essentially pacifism is the the only proper response Um, he with regard to cheek turning uh, he says cheek turning is not advocated and this speaks to what you said Andrew is not advocated as what works it usually does not but advocated because this is the way God is. God is kind to the ungrateful and the selfish. This is not a stratagem for getting what we want, but the only manner of life available now that in Jesus we have seen what God wants. Hmm. So we look to Jesus. We see his teachings of turning the other cheek, um, forgiving and praying for your enemies. I guess to kind of wrap this up, because we are short on time, I I found this to be kind of a beautiful picture. The idea of a dove in in politics is an informal term for someone who prefers to avoid war. And the dove appears in the New Testament um, in the scenes of Jesus' birth, his baptism, and just before his death. So if we are to be more Christ-like and if if we are to work and live and think and act in this world in a way um, like Christ did, um, then, yeah, maybe, maybe, just maybe, uh, we should be like a dove, a political dove, and 
start thinking about the avoidance of war. That wraps it up for me on the the aspect of peace and war. Were there any last thoughts you had before we conclude? I guess there's a lot to say about like whether uh, its impact on the church, on, on our church in particular, the church in America, and like how this book has been pretty insignificant for them. But we're not, I'm sure we're not like uh, informed enough to say much about that. But I think it's been, Resident Aliens has been this like starting point for a lot of how we think as a church now. Um, and I think we're pretty grateful for what they've done here, Power Washing Lumon. I think one of the most valuable things is that I think this was the book that really got a lot of us asking questions for the first time. Um, and asking questions, not just like, well, was, you know, like asking these kind of more abstract theological questions, though those are also important, but these, these got us asking very real questions. Like, what would you do if I always used to when I always used to talk to people about nonviolence. They'd be like, "Well, what if someone was like attacking your wife? Would you just stand there and let?" I mean, but but in all seriousness, these are questions that we started asking. I think for the first time because of this book, um, what does it mean to to follow Jesus when it doesn't seem like it'll work? It doesn't seem like it'll be effective, um, and it may in fact get you killed or or ostracized. You know, what do all those things mean? Um, this is one of the first times for me that I started asking those questions. Well, thank you all for sharing. It's been a pleasure having this conversation with you, and I hope that we can get this going on a more, a more frequent, consistent basis. Uh, to those of you still listening, thank you. On behalf of everyone here, goodbye. Um.